Welcome to Rebuilding. This podcast is designed to help the church rebuild its walls one person at a time. For more information, check us out at www.piercepoint.org. My name is Todd Huffine. Um, I've been a member here for a number of years, and um, this church is a part of our adoption story, as you might have, might have figured out by now, it's Adoption Sunday. And um, I just want to tell you today what um, our, our story of adoption and what Christ has done to us and our family through adoption and uh, some things that, um, that the Word teaches us and what Christ teaches us uh, about adoption. So I'll just give you a little background about our story. Uh, Stephanie, my wife, um, my wife and I had uh, four children when uh, the Spirit called on us to adopt. Um, he began to work on Stephanie first. I did, wanted nothing to do with it. And uh, Stephanie began to go on missions trips to um, mainly Haiti and would visit orphanages. And uh, she's one of the few people that comes back and actually does something about it. Uh, again, I, I didn't even go on these missions trips. Um, but... Uh, the Spirit began to work on her heart and, uh, and call on us to adopt, and she began to express that to me, and again, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. I was uh, really comfortable in my life. We had four children. We had what I thought was the perfect family. Uh, my career and business was going well, uh, and I was on my way to Easy Street and, and living a lifestyle or not at the time, but I thought I was on my way to early retirement and everything that our affluent society and culture and, and this great country has to offer, comfort and luxury. I, I was getting ready to go on vacation for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> but God had different plans. Um, again, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. And Stephanie, patiently, she didn't nag me. She didn't. She just began to pray about it. And as I began to dig more into the Word and get more sound teaching from uh, folks like Nathan and just um, uh, and, and seeing what the Word has to say about adoption and service and sacrifice and all these, these different things and what just the, the whole New Testament, really, uh, the Spirit began to work on me. And one day I had the nerve or the bravery, or the courage, or whatever you want to call it, to actually pray, God, if you want me to do this, break my heart for the orphan. Because my heart is not broken for the orphan. I'm, I'm perfectly content. And that's a scary prayer. I did not, you know, because I knew, I knew he would probably do it, you know. <laughs> and uh, I didn't want it. And so it, it just took a few weeks, really, for me to be in my office one day and just crushed one day, just on my knees sobbing, understanding what, uh, what the need is for these children who are in the worst situation you, you can possibly imagine. And I, and I knew all this, you know. I, I, I just didn't let my heart go there. I'd hear stories or whatever, and then I'd go on with my life. And I, I, didn't, I didn't care, you know, enough. So I, I asked God to break my heart, and he did. So I agreed to adopt, and, um, but then they start to ask you, okay, we started going through the process, and, and they begin to ask, okay, what are you willing to accept? What, what, what uh, are you willing to accept any handicaps or anything like that? And I said, well, I just want a perfectly normal kid, you know, maybe a missing finger or <laughs> something very superficial. Still, got my, my heart wasn't completely broken. Well, then we started getting these pictures of these kids, and we, we decided to do overseas adoptions for various reasons. There's, uh, I don't have time to get into it, but um, we started getting these pictures and, I, and Stephanie's like, what about this one? This, these are the special needs, and these are all. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We, we can't do that. And again, 
God just broke my heart. He, he just, the spirit just came into me again in my office one day and just broke my heart. And I said, let's get uh, this, this little guy that we had been um, thinking of who had Down syndrome and uh, a couple other special needs. And at the time, his name was not Bo, but we named him Benjamin Oliver, and we call him Bo. Uh, Bo's a celebrity. <laughs> Everybody knows about Bo. But uh, he just broke my heart one day for, for Bo. So I just want to tell you kind of the process that I went through and what the Word says about adoption and what, what that's done for me. Because I, I, there were so many excuses that I had that I didn't want to do it. And, and the biggest one was I didn't want to sacrifice, and I didn't want to suffer, and I didn't want to serve uh, the way, you know, that, that the Scripture tells us. It's very, very clear, and I just kept denying it to pick up my cross and to serve and to, to serve the, the widows, the orphans, and the, and, the, and the poor. And I didn't want anything to do with it. I had my, my nice house and, you know, everything going great for me, and and I didn't want I didn't want to go there. Um, so the first thing that I want to I want to talk about is surrender. Okay, so we have surrender. The first thing we need to do, and if all of you haven't done it, uh, is surrender to Christ. Right? Uh, I, I I don't have time to get into my background, but trust me, when, before I knew Christ, I was a wild man. All right, I uh, went, he he changed me on the drop of a dime. Uh, through my wife. I mean, I, I did a 180 overnight and, and understood the love of Christ, and, uh, and I surrendered to him. It was immediate, and I wasn't even looking for him. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, but man, I was 100 miles an hour in the other direction and, and, and wasn't looking for God. He was always in the back, back, but I was living the life that I wanted to live. I was living whatever makes me happy life, you know? And it was leading to destruction. And by the grace of God, man, I just, uh, so I owe him a lot, you know, obviously. Uh, But I surrendered to his call when the Spirit, again, called on me to serve him. We're not just called to say a prayer and to to be accepted into the kingdom of God. and And nothing else is expected of us. Over and over again, Scripture calls us to serve him, and over and over again. So he called on me again to serve him, and, and, and I began to ask myself, what am I willing to do for Christ? Am I willing to do anything? I began to see stories of people that were going on in the mission field and giving everything up, or they were adopting, and it, it, it irritated me. I didn't, I'm like, does he really call us to do that? And it, it, uh, but then I began to, to, to question, am I willing to give up anything of the luxuries and the, you know, my, my plan for my life? Uh, and, uh, you know, wh- I, I began to be encouraged by other Christians that were giving up everything and stepping out in faith and sacrificing. And, the, and their whole families, their careers, their finances, everything. And, and God was blessing me in so many different areas. And I... And, and I, I began to question, if he calls on me to do something, would I do that? And the answer was no. I didn't want any, like I said, I didn't want, want anything to do with it. But through his word, I was in his word a lot. And I was getting sound, sound doctrine, sound teaching. And then I was seeing examples of other people. Uh, I don't know how many of you know, but Barney Estes, uh, just recently, you know, this, this is just recently, but this is the type of story that inspired me. He, he just left his job of like 80 years. What is it? <laughs> but at the peak of his career, at the peak of his career, God's calling him. And he couldn't deny it. He couldn't deny it. God's, God's calling him away from... Uh, he's at the pinnacle, and God, uh, but he, he began to tell me and, and told me a story, and I hope he tells it if he hasn't already, but just God was calling on him, and he was, it, he was focused on things that weren't eternal. None of this stuff matters if it's not eternal, right? So, 
And he was running away from God, essentially. And that's what I was doing. But when I answered the call, I, I, I want to tell you what happened. Because I didn't want to answer the call. Um, so I was obedient to his commands. Uh, and that was done through the Spirit and living by the Spirit, right? I surrendered, and then the Spirit, and the Spirit came in and filled me and gave me a new heart. It took me from a wild man indulging my own flesh, wanting to, um, you know, make, make, make me happy, follow my passions, whatever the, all, all the other nonsense you hear today, whatever makes you happy, do that. Um, the Spirit came in, and uh, I, this is what Romans 8, 5 through 8 says. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on, flesh, on, the flesh, on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Uh, although I had, I had submitted and surrendered to God, I still was not fully living by the Spirit. And um, uh, when I started living by the Spirit and, and answering his call and, and asking God, what do you want me to do in this situation? That's when everything changed for me when it comes to adoption. Um, so I began to ask, am I going to be the hands and feet of God? If he asked me to do this, there's this need out there. The harvest is plenty. The workers are few, right? Am I able, am I going to step up and do this? Will I do the will of God, right? And what is the will of God? What is my purpose in life? What has he called me to do? We're all called to be the hands and the feet of God, but uh, that's the big picture. There's the big picture will of God, right? That's the next thing I want to talk about is the will of God. And what breaks his heart, right? So there's the big picture, his kingdom. His kingdom is uh, moving forward with or without us, okay? His will is going to be done with or without us. Um, but then there's the individual will of God. What, what's the will of God for you? What's the purpose for you? What was the purpose for me? Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and post all kinds of great things about you on Facebook? <laughs> and, and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That, that scares the willies out of me. Um, that if I'm not willing to do his will, if I just said this prayer and I'm not willing to, you know, I'm in God, you, you got me. And I'm not, I'm not talking, to, I'm not going to get into whether you're saved or not, because that's a whole nother conversation. And, uh, you know, that's not for me. But, uh, but for me, I started questioning, um, am I doing the will of God? Am I willing to do it? If he's called me, if he saved me and I have a new heart, if he calls me to do his will, will I do it? In that, that verse, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. Uh, Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There, there's so many ways that we can conform now. There's never been any, there, there's never been more distractions that we can be more distracted by that, that keep us from doing his will. You know, for me, it was my, my career, my business, right? That's all, that's all I was about, you know. It's, I was working 90 hours a week and enjoying every minute of it and just, and then raising my family. And, and you know, I thought that that was it, that that's all, that, that's all God had for me. But there's a lot of bad things that come with that that was keeping me from the will of God. Uh, there's all, all kinds of uh, distractions that we have now. Sports, consumerism, keeping up with the Joneses. We can get caught up in education and career, uh, technology, social media. 
which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pull any punches on social media. I hate social media. <laughs> um, you know, th- this is the, the big thing that, I, and the reason I hate it is because it's st- what it's doing to Christians. It's distracting us from what God has called us to do. We're, we're, we're putting on a face of, of all this nonsense that, you know, life's great and how awesome I am and, and um, you know, it's, it's a false perception of what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is hard. When we take up our cross, it is difficult. Um, there's, um, Christ came to give us life abundantly, right? He gives us uh, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He's the gift that never runs out, you know. Social media is making us angry, anxious, uh, resentful. Uh, you know, we're constantly trying to keep up with the Joneses. It's a huge distraction. And that's how a lot of people think that that's how you're a Christian now, is you just post all this stuff on social media and nothing's expected of you. Well, I posted all this, this great stuff about you, God. I did nothing for you. I did. And, and it's just, it's, it's a major distraction. This is what Second uh, Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says. Mark this, there will be terrible times In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, holy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good. The first part of that says people will be lovers of themselves. We have whole pages devoted to how awesome we are with thousands of pictures of of what a great Christian we are, how cute our kids are, or all these, these things that we have, that's, that's, that's not a life of humility and service, you know? And I, I, I'm trying to be gentle about this, but I, 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 I hate it. I hate what it's doing to Christians. I hate, there's so much more out there for us. And, and there's better platforms than others, but um, it's, it, it's not what we should be about. We should be about quiet service to God, um, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 says, And make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands. That means serve, just as you were told, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, so that you will not be dependent on anybody. When you live a quiet life of service, it speaks for itself. You don't have to shout it from the mountaintops, right? People will ask you what your hopes for. You don't, you're going to get the respect of others by the life that you're living, not what you're posting on social media. Matthew 6, uh, 2 through 4 says, When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, and to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Just be quiet when you serve. That's where you get the satisfaction. That's where you get peace and joy and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's poured out on you. It's over and over. It never fills up. It's over and over again, as opposed to the quick dopamine hit that you get from the fleshly uh, accolades of, of social media and, and, and all this nonsense. We're, we're trying to find our, our meaning and purpose in life through, and not all of us. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There's, uh, but uh, the, the only reason I bring this up is because what it's stealing from our culture and what's stealing from Christians. Um, and, and notice when it says, and do not conform to the pattern of this world in Romans 2. What is the pattern that we're, we're seeing? That we haven't seen anything yet in the way of social media and technology. 20 years from now, we're going to be laughing at all the platforms that we have now. Do not be conformed. Stop going the way of the world. When the world's zigging, you zag, right? Uh, and, and the biggest way that I'm seeing this is, is through social media. The last point on social media, and then I'll stop. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> James 4, 4 says, you adulterous people, you don't know, you don't know that the friendship with the world means enemy, en- enmity against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Just quietly serve and you'll be satisfied. Quit, quit trying to 
to, to get accolades from the rest of the world and, and everyone else. Just be focused up and live by the Spirit, and you will be satisfied. Um, so again, I was living in the patterns of this world. I like people. I wasn't on social media, but I was still trying to get everybody to like me. And that was one of the, the reasons I, I wasn't answering the call of, of the Spirit, right? So uh, I had to stop conforming to the world because no one else is going to tell you to adopt. The world's not going to tell you. They're going to tell you to, to, to serve yourself, right? Um, so how do we find God's will for our life, right? What, what is the purpose and the will? Uh, so one, I just went over it. We stop conforming. It says in Romans 2, again, um, do, not, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do you renew your mind? You do that through the daily word, in the word and prayer, Right? So we stop conforming so that we, then you will be able to test and approve the, God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right? So we stop conforming. We're in his word. We're renewing our mind every day through his word and prayer. Uh, we seek wise counsel. Right? I don't, I don't advise you to do it, adopt or go do any of these things just like if you were going to get married or make a major decision. You seek wise counsel just as the Bible tells us. And then we live by the Spirit. God, what do you want me to do? Spirit, fill my heart up. Where do, where do you want me? Where, do you want me to adopt? Should I be adopting? Is there another area of service that I need to be in? Because there's, there's endless ways to serve. Adoption is just one of them. This is how we choose to serve and my family chooses to serve. I think adoption is, if you read the word, I think everybody in this room should be moving towards it unless the Spirit tells you to stop. You know, um, so, uh, so surrender, um, and then we find God's will, right? He, he calls on us. The Spirit calls on us to act. Are we going to answer the call, right? Was I willing to answer the call when he had clearly, I mean, there was no, there was no denying the fact that he had call, called on me. Am I going to run from it, or am I going to answer the call? Um, so he's called to serve. So the Spirit is likely going to call you to serve. He calls all of us. The, the, the New Testament is, if we just look at the life of Christ and Paul, what did they do? They gave their life. There was nothing but service their entire lives. And then in the end, Christ gave us his, his life. He completely sacrificed. That is the model that we're, we're to lay down our lives, to give up all of our fleshly desires and, and serve him, whatever his will is, whatever his desire is for us. Service is how we love. This is how the world is going to know who we are and what we're about, right? Um, so if we look at Jesus and Paul and, and the life, that, and, the, and, and there's, there's countless of others, other examples, this is what began to work on me. You know, as I'm reading in the Word. Um, so like I said, there's many forms of service. God, God, God's going to call you if you're living by the Spirit to serve. Right? He first calls us to serve in marriage. And marriage is such a great example of how we're to serve. I mean, we're to die to ourselves and surrender and submit to our spouse and just die and pour into each other. Right, we, we, when when we're married, we're, our, we no longer belong to ourselves. Well, first, if we're both looking up, then there's an explosion of power because if we're both in it, man, it's 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 heaven on earth. And as you know, if it's not, then it's there's a lot of problems. <laughs> um, so, um, but God's going to call you to serve, right? He's going to call you to serve your family first. Right? He's going to call you to serve your spouse and to die to yourself. He's going to, uh, he calls us to serve each other, serve the church, and to be patient with each other and suffer with each other and, and live with each other. Right? Um, he's going to call us to serve the widows, the orphans, and the poor. And, and that's scary for me because you know, I, I don't necessarily want to do that. If, for me, one of the greatest examples of, of what he calls us to do is in Matthew 25, 31 through 46, 
When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all of his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before them, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed with, by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you, look af- you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. When the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needed clothes and and clothe you? When did did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me. You who are cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devils and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will, they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty? Or a stranger, or needed clothing, or sick, or in prison, and you did not help me. He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the, the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away in eternal punishment, but, righteous, but the righteous to eternal life. Again, that, you know, when, when it talks about doing the will of God, depart from me, I never knew. You never did my will. You, you, were, you were made aware of the orphan's in the most dire circumstances that we can, we can fathom, right? Being sold into slavery and, and just never having the hope that, we, that most of us have, having uh, a mother and a father and being born in this country and all the things that we have. You, you, you were made aware of this and you did nothing? What? what? You, you knew about it? You had the means and the resources to do nothing? And you, you just turned your back? Um, you know, that was me. I was doing nothing. So when God called me to, to do something, I, I denied him at first. But then when I answered the call, and it's through the word, when I read stuff like this, man, it just kills me. Um, so also, uh, when, when it comes to service, uh, another hard-hitting uh, scripture that really gets to me is James 2, 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is good without clothes and daily food. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them says, if one of them says to them, sorry, uh, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action. It's dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You know, the, the way I see that playing out, and again in my life, was you, you get a mass text on this tragedy that's happened, right? And Or you get the social media blast that this tragedy's happened within the church. And you pick up your phone and you say, praying, and you set it down. And that's serving, right? And you say a little two-minute prayer and you go on about your business, what's for lunch or whatever. You know, if, we, if, we're, if we're called... If, members of the body of Christ, and we don't have, or we're not serving, and we don't have any good deeds, right, to show for it, are, are we, do we truly love him? Are we, are we truly submitted to the, to the call of Christ? Uh, it's just superficial nonsense. That's, that's how I was living, you know? Um, 
I was attending like three Bible studies a week. I didn't need another Bible study, okay? I, I didn't need another uh, way to serve that I was making myself feel better by showing up 15 minutes early to whatever and calling that service, you know, making some coffee. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, we, we need all that stuff. Don't get me wrong. The, the church has to function. And we need administrative things. But I, was, I had no skin in the game, none, other than taking care of my own offspring, which, which to me is, is the same way as the pagans. Like even the demons believe that you should take care of your offspring. Or, or yeah, well, no kidding. Um, so um, if we're going to serve, it's going to get ugly. Real service is a real relationship. It's not a Facebook friend, which is maybe a third of a friend. It's not a, that's not a... You know, if you got a thousand Facebook friends, that might equal two real friends. You know, whatever. Real service, real surrender is going to get ugly. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your time, your resources, your finances. It's going to disrupt your family. It's going to disrupt your relationships. It's going to disrupt your your entire life, right? It's going to cause persecution in a lot of ways. People, when when they see... They're not going to understand it. The world's not going to understand your sacrifice. They're going to resent it sometimes. A lot of times they're going to, uh, they're going to see that uh, they're going to ask you what your hope is for. You know, like, why would you do that? Well, let me tell you why. Okay, this is so. Um, but it's not, it's not this superficial thing. It, it, it's going to cost you and it's going to get ugly. And, and, and Satan's going to show up. He's going to, you know... D- for adoption, adoption is war. Adoption is a battle for a soul. This is something that Satan thought he had chalked up to, to death and misery and pain and, and, and generational uh, death and misery and pain. And you're taking this from what Satan had for, intended for evil and you're rigid, re, ripping it from his arms and you're saving a soul and you're discipling and you're loving and it's going to get ugly, right? You, you have to weigh the cost. Just like when Christ calls us to weigh the cost, he, he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't become a Christian here. Don't follow me until you weigh the cost. This thing is not just a prayer and you're accepted in. And No, there, the, the, the road is narrow and few find it, right? Just like adoption and serving, you better weigh the cost because it's going to get ugly. And you better be in the spirit and aligned with him and, and the relationship with your, your spouse better be, you guys better be on the same page. I'm going to get a tissue. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, excuse me. Um, so, there's Satan showing up in my cold. <laughs> so, uh, so, my next point is if you're serving, the next call to a Christian life, this is the, the yay moment, uh, you're going to sacrifice and you're going to suffer, right? You cannot serve without sacrifice and suffering. And again, if I had to sum up the New Testament, I would sum it up as love, serve, and sacrifice. You cannot pick up your cross without pain. Matthew 10:38 says, "Whoever does not pick up whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it." There's no such thing as picking up your cross and taking on the burdens of each other what we're called to do as the church and do all these things and get in and in, into these messy relationships without pain and suffering. And sacrifice, right? Look at the model that Christ gave us. He he did nothing but serve, and at the end of his life, he died a humiliating death, taking on our sin. For he he didn't have to do that. This is what he modeled for us. But but we have this this perception of Christianity, especially in America. It's like, hey, we just show up to church once a week, and we say some some good things about Christ, and that's it. We're done. Let's go watch some football. 
You know, I mean, he's called us to more. He's called us to serve. He's called us to lay down our lives for him. Uh, we're all going to have pain. We're all guaranteed pain and suffering. There's the pain that's caused by the fall, a fallen world that, that, that started since the beginning of time. There's the pain that, that we have uh, based off of our own poor decisions, right, and our own sin, or even our generational, that our, our parents and their parents and everybody caused us. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about that, okay, that, that every single one of us is going to experience. I'm talking about the pain that comes from serving, right? And this is what I didn't want. This is what I was telling myself, I don't want this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not willing to do this for you, uh, Christ. Um, if you're not experiencing pain and persecution and sacrifice, you're, you're not serving. And the, the two go hand in hand. Now, there's a lot of good, and I'm going to get to that, what we get from that. Because it's not all like, oh, this is a great, great talk. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> we get so much more, and I'll, I'll get into that. When, what Christ offers us and the Spirit offers us through that pain and suffering right? As he modeled for us, as Paul modeled for us, as every figure in the, in the Bible modeled for us. Um, I like C.S. Lewis's quote of uh, when he's talking about giving. He says, give until it hurts, right? So if you're giving financially, give until it hurts. You know, not whatever percentage you put on it or whatever. If it's, it's like, ah, man, I don't know if I should do this. It's a step of faith. It's a leap of faith, you're putting your trust in God that he's going to take care and he's going to provide, right? And he does. He always does. He delivers every time, right? But when we're giving and we're serving, give until it hurts. Give your time. Give your, your finances. Give your uh, whatever it is that, that, that you can do, your experience. Thanks, Mark. Um, give your life. Lay down your life, just as Christ did for us, right? So what do we get in return when we do this? This isn't all, all bad. Uh, in fact, it's, it's the most incredible story ever told. Uh, we get so much from it. And I just have a quick uh, 15 points here um, <laughs> of what we get. I'll try to go through them. I actually started adding as I was going through this morning. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm becoming, I'm not a sadist or a masochist or whatever. I, I don't even know what you call it. But I, I'm beginning to love sacrifice and pain because of what I get from it every day and every part of my life. And it's not just, you know, I'm not going to go uh, go in the corner and start punching myself in the face and saying, I'm, I see pain. or You know, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's the pain that's caused by by serving a God who's given me so much, who's already saved my soul and given me a new heart and given me eternal life, right? And the one that keeps filling me up and keeps filling my cup up and it keeps running over, that's the God I serve and I want to keep doing it. And, you know, the, I, don't, I don't always want to do it. I, I needed this talk, this preparation for these last couple weeks that I've been doing this. I needed this more than anybody, Right? I'm, I've got to renew my heart for the orphan. I don't have it. I'm tired. We're getting our butt kicked right now, you know, with eight kids and four babies. You know, I need it. But God's going to call on me to do it again, and I want to be ready. Um, so these are the gifts that God's given us through adoption and service, through pain and sacrifice and serving. First service, then the sacrifice and suffering. In light of eternity, I don't even know if you can call it pain or suffering or sacrifice because it's not fair. I get so much more than, than, than what I'm putting out. So much more. I already have. I already have salvation. I don't necessarily have to do these things. I'm going to live a miserable life if I don't answer the call and I'm going against the will of God, but I'm already in. So I've already won. We've already won, right? So Romans 8 tells us this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that would be revealed to us. I'm 42 years old. I just, I have a few more years left. In light of eternity, you know, 
I, I gotta, I gotta, I'm gonna run this thing 100 miles an hour, right? I get eternity for the 80 years or so that I'm on life for the service. In the first 26 of it, I wasn't in his service, right? For, so for the, you know, the 60-some years that I'm on, on, on this earth and I'm serving, I get eternity for that. That's not, that's not fair. There's nothing fair about that, right? So when I'm feeling down, I keep my eye on eternity. That's my perspective that I'm thinking of, right? Um, the gospel naturally flows when you serve, People will notice. That's an, an, the second benefit. When you quietly serve and keep your mouth shut, then, then people were gonna, are going to ask you. So I get to tell people about Jesus through the adoption and through the story and through, through my, my story. Uh, in the Marine Corps, we had a saying, suffer and sacrifice. When everybody, somebody was whining. It's a suffer and sacrifice. Just shut your mouth, right? So serve in, in silence. And people will notice. Uh, people will notice. You don't have to post all these things and shout, shout it from the mountaintop. Sometimes there's, there's, there's uh, reasons for us to do that. But if your family's living a life of service quietly, people will notice. You don't have to, you don't have to say anything to anybody. They'll come to you. All right? Sanctification. God is sancti sanctifying me through my suffering and pain. He's purifying me. I'm in the fire, which is exactly where he wants me. I need him when I'm in the fire. He's taking all these things out, and it just gets more and more every day, showing me more and more what, I, what needs to come out of me. And that, that's, that's only done when, when you're putting yourself in the situations where there's no, I, I'm at a loss, God. I, I need you to show up. I need you to work in me. I need your spirit to give me more love because I don't have it. I need its strength. I need, you know, in the middle of the night especially. Um, he wants me in the fire. That's, that's, where, that's where I need to be. That's where we need to be. Uh, and in that suffering, we're purified, right? Um, he gives me peace and joy, right? Even though I'm kind to myself every day, and I'm miserable a lot of times. I mean, there's no way around it. There, you're, there's just times where there's just pain, misery, and suffering, and there's, there's, there's the absence of joy and peace. But it's very fleeting because overall, he gives me more joy and peace in, in, in circumstances where people are like, I feel sorry for you, or how, how, how can we help? No, I feel sorry for you that you don't have this purpose, this, this, this uh, sacrifice, and, and, and the spirit of God working through you. That's not, that's not, ultimately, that's not uh, a burden for me. I, because I have the peace and the joy, the, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Uh, character development. One thing that I, you know, this is, my dad used to say this to me, you know, the old character, good character builder, and I used to hate it. God cares more about my character than my circumstances. When, when I look at all the stories in the Bible, God's not saying, well, everybody has all these excuses why they can't do it. All the flaws that they have are, you know, from Moses to whoever. God, I'm not, I'm not your guy. I'm not going to do it. And, and for me, it was, uh, but God, this is going to be really hard, and I'm going to have to sacrifice a lot. He's developing my character. He's making me stronger, putting me into these, these situations. He cares far more about my development as a man, as a character, as th than he does my circumstances. He's developing my character, my soul, to be in his presence when I go into heaven. Every day, he's developing me more. And he's developing my character more for the next thing that he's going to call me to do, which is probably more adoptions, right? I don't want to adopt right now. <laughs> you know, like I said, I needed this. Uh, but he, he's making me stronger, which is my next um, point, is he's growing me, right? What, he's making me tougher. He's making me stronger every day through this pain and sacrifice. I'm getting stronger. What I thought was difficult 20 years ago, 15 years ago, is not difficult to me now. Four kids, you know, whatever. That's, that's easy. Just in every way, I'm, I'm growing, 
So that, that is another benefit of this, this, this sacrifice through service. Um, I understand my adoption story more and more every day through what he did for me and how he adopted me into his kingdom, right? I understand that more and more because of adoption. I understand the pain and sacrifice that he went through. I can't fully understand that. That is impossible. But, but not only this, what God went through by giving his son, the, what pain that must have caused watching that and saying, no, son, you got to do it. Um, and then just, just what uh, I, that, that's another. So by understanding that, I'm able to take on a bigger burden because I, I have uh, more wisdom and knowledge through that. Um, this might be the, the best benefit. My children see my wife and I suffering and sacrificing and serving and actually living the Christian life out. Uh, and they're suffering and sacrificing and serving and up in the middle of the night and cleaning up, you know, and, and doing things that they're on their knees, right? They're, they're actually seeing this. I can tell them about the word of God and we can have daily Bible studies from now into eternity. If they don't see me living this thing out, I'm going to lose them. Like we're losing children over at the tune of 85%. We're losing our children because there's, uh, they're not seeing us live this out. My children are going to see our family live this out, right? They're going to see me live it out. They're going to see me sacrifice and suffer it and understand that the, our reward is in heaven. It's not for this, this temporary earthly uh, um, world, right? Uh, we, we have a saying in our house, more is caught than taught, Right? You can teach your kids about Christ and all these things as much as you want, but really what's going to change their heart more than anything is what you're, 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 the life that you're living. They're going to catch what, how you're living, not as much as you're teaching. And if you have both, then you have dynamite. Um, it makes my relationship stronger. This is one of the, the excuses that I didn't want to... I didn't want to adopt because it's going to take away from my family. I can't, I've got four kids, God. I'm going to take away from everything that I'm supposed to be giving them, right? Uh, It's going to take away from my relationship. It has in a lot of ways. My kids have sacrificed and suffered. And my relationship with my wife, I don't get all of, you know, I want my wife 24-7, you know. She's great. I love her. But she's serving. I can't have her, Right? Um, she, I, you know, I want help with this. I want help with that. I, and I can't necessarily have it, but our bond is stronger than ever because when you suffer together, there's nothing that forms bonds like suffering together, right? It can tear you apart too, but when you're, uh, in Christ and you're both looking up and that's who you answer to first, then, then it's, it's incredible. My, my relationship with Christ is, is stronger. My relationship with my children is stronger in all these ways. And I I bring this up, especially because this is the lie that I was telling myself, is I can't do this because this is going to take away from my family. No, it's strengthened our family. It's given us, to my next point, um, it's given me purpose, right? I don't need an alarm clock. I get up running every morning, right? I've got purpose. This is my purpose. There's more orphans out there for me to get. So I got to work harder. I got to make more money. That's, that's the other way I serve is through financially, through, through making money, through my business and, and work, right? I, I've got a purpose in this life, and it's to serve God. It's not necessarily just adoption. Adoption's not going to save my soul, that, you know, and you can, you can get wrapped up in I'm, we're all about adoption, and I'm, I'm about adoption, and I'm awesome. No, that's not, that's not the point. It's the surrender first and what he's called you to do. But I, it gives me such purpose that uh, it's incredible. It's, it's a lightning bolt through me. Um, it keeps me focused and out of trouble. Right? I, I'm, I'm not a hard guy to find. I'm either at home or at a family function or I'm working. Right? If I'm somewhere else, I'm probably going to be in trouble. Right? It keeps me focused on things that are eternal, right? Which is the only thing that matters, right? 
if, uh, so uh, we say at our house, what else would we be doing? What, what else would we be doing but serving God? Would we be at football game or, you know, and those things aren't all bad, but they're not going to, they're not eternal. So um, it keeps me focused. It gives me perspective, right? And uh, perspective and empathy, right? When I look at an orphan, you, you know, you, you think that you're going to come into an orphan's life and, and you're just going to save them and they're going to love you and they're they, you know, but you're ripping them out from their environment, and it's it's a struggle in every way. They don't understand what's going on. It's just it's it's a lot of uh, tough, difficult things. Uh, but now I look at before I judge somebody, or I, I start to look at them with empathy. Like, where did you come from? Why are you like this? What was your home life like? What was your mom and dad like? You know, I didn't I didn't have all of these these things. Uh, you know, I, I had a pretty good upbringing, uh, all things considered. Uh, so the other thing that it does is it makes me grateful, right? When I, when I look at, when, I ha- when, I, when I'm empathy, empathetic towards uh, people and their circumstance and the, and the orphan, and I just understand, man, what, what a great country we live in. And, and the upbringing that I have had, even though it was flawed, like I had two parents that loved me. I I was born in this country. I was given everything and the resources that I have. So it just makes me grateful. And then I ask God, like, you've given me so much. You've blessed me with so much. Well, I have to give back. So it's given me great, it's made me more uh, grateful. Um, uh, it, it's given me a sense of urgency. Like I said before, I, my time's short. Our time's short. All, there's not a person in this room in light of eternity that our time on this earth is very short. I want to be like Paul at the end of his life when he's satisfied, right? When he, when he, when he says in, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering at the time of my departure. And the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I mean, that's, that's who I want to be. I don't want to say, man, I, I filled all my time up with my business or, or watching TV or binge watching nonsense or whatever. Or, uh, you know, I, wa- I, I want to know, I want to look back on my life that I went 100 miles an hour for God. And I'm satisfied, and I'm on my deathbed, and, and I'm saying, bring it. Let's go. I'm, I'm getting ready to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I don't, I, you know, that, that's, it's just giving me perspective on, on what is about to come up that's, that all of us are going to face. Um, the last thing I'll, I'll just say on, on uh, sacrifice and suffering is and just serving in general, is this is how I'm fighting. You know, Paul brings up the, the race and the fight, right? Do, do all of you know we're in a fight? Do, do you know you're in a race? That, how I'm fighting is through adoption, through my family. The arrows that I'm shooting into the enemy are my children. Right? So this is how we fight, how we love, how we serve. That's how we're going to win. Right? So uh, just, just another point of, of how awesome his word is. I mean, I, I just the, the good fight and, and finish the race. You know, that's, what, that's who I want to be. That's what I want to do. Right? And I want, I want to hook and jab and slash and stab every day. You know? <laughs> And just understanding that is, is all, all the things that adoption and service and sacrifice have taught me. So I've, I've talked a little bit about our story and adoption itself. And I, I just want to talk to you about the orphan now, right? And, and like I said, I'm tired. You know, I'm getting my butt kicked right now. We had, we had, we went from four to eight kids in two and a half years, and it's a lot of babies and just, um, 
I don't necessarily have the heart for the orphan. And I'm starting to pray again for that, that heart. There's 153 million orphans worldwide. Just keep that into perspective and just un- understand what these orphans are going through. What They have nobody. They have nothing, right? It, it, we have a system set up in our country and other countries do too, but there's children out there just waiting for us, the church, to be the hands and the feet of God and say and be who we say we are. There's such a need, it is staggering, right? You got kids that are just laying in their own pile of garbage right now, literally. They're waiting for us to act. And we've got a bunch of people like myself saying, I can't do it. I'm not willing to go there. Are we willing to act as a church? Are we willing to go there? Are, are we at least willing to serve? It may not be adoption, but are we willing to lay down our lives for each other and serve in some capacity, whatever the, whatever the Holy Spirit calls on you to do? Are we willing to do that? There's a half a million orphans in the U.S. There's supposedly 240 million Christians in the U.S., or at least people claiming Christ. There's 16,000 orphans in Ohio. So who are we going to be? Are we going to be a church that posts a lot of cool stuff on Facebook? A, a church that has a charismatic speaker? A church that is known for their awesome business model and jam out worship sessions with six-figure you know, worship pastors and stage props and all this other stuff? Or are we going to be that church that loves each other and serves each other and is known for, man, those, those people adopted all. Look at the love those people have. Look at the love they have for each other. Are we going to be a, a, a John 13, 35? Others will know that you're my disciples by how you love. Are we going to be known by, there's no greater love than to lay your life down for another man or child or orphan or widow or poor. These children need us. You know, and I'm not trying to pull your heartstrings and because that, that's not going to work. The Spirit, you have, will you dig in when the Spirit calls on you? Will you say, yes, Lord, I don't want to do it. Give me the heart. Give me the heart. Because the rubber hits the road tomorrow morning. The rubber hits the road on Wednesday. The rubber hits the road two weeks from now when the Spirit comes and puts it on your heart. Are you, will you dig in? That's, that'd be the biggest thing that I would, incur, I would ask you or challenge all of you to do. Is when the Spirit comes to you. Don't deny it. Because he's going to call on you to serve. He's going to call on you to serve. Will you serve? Or will you run from it and be miserable? Right? He's going to call on you when you don't want to do it. We're definitely called to do this. And just uh, allow your heart to think of the orphan. Allow, allow your heart to even go there. Like I said, that is a scary thing. I didn't want to do it. I, 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 there's still times where I don't want to do it, but I, he's strengthening me. He's sanctifying me. He's giving me more strength. And I know that he'll give me the strength to do it when he calls on me again. And he'll, he'll, he'll give my wife and he'll give my family the, the strength to do it, even when it doesn't make sense. So I would just pray that, I would ask you that God, that you pray that God breaks your heart for the orphan. Will you do that? Will you even go there? You know, and I'm not trying to, uh, to call anybody out specifically, but there's people in this room right now where the Spirit's convicting them right now. You know it. You know it. Are you going to deny it or are you going to dig deeper? Right? And, and, and again, I'm not trying to, to, to this isn't for everybody you got to weigh the cost, and you seek wise counsel before you do it. And you better be in the spirit in, in your relationship, or else it can really wreak some havoc, right? So don't just do it because I'm, you know, I'm up here giving an awesome speech. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, do it because the spirit convicts you. 
And when, if, if he convicts you and calls on you to serve, then do it. Then do it. He will provide. He will provide. So uh, I thank you for your time. And um, I, just, I just pray that uh, God, God touches our hearts and all glory and honor to God. Thanks so much for listening to Rebuilding from Pierce Point Community Church. We hope that today's podcast will help you become a more connected part of Christ's body. Remember to check out our website at piercepoint.org for more information.